0: Let's uh, spend a little time in the Word of God, as is our pleasure and privilege, as we continue our sojourn in the, the little Old Testament prophecy of Jonah. We come to Jonah chapter 3. It's our 12th study in Jonah. So we are working our way through it slowly but surely. And uh, my scripture tonight is from chapter 3 is a single verse. Thinking tonight about Jonah's message. Just one verse. And that's Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. The city of Nineveh, of course. He proclaimed, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. This is the word of God. Let's pray together, shall we? Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimonies that we have heard this evening. They are reminders to us that our God is a great God and is a God who is at work. Even in this country of ours, many have given this country up, but Lord, you haven't. Hallelujah. And we thank you for testimonies of how you have and are transforming lives by the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that you are still in the business of saving souls, changing lives, uh, bringing people from darkness into light, from death into life. This is our God. And we thank you, Father, that you're here tonight by your Spirit, and you long to speak with us, communicate to us, and minister to our needs. We are needy people, without question. Everyone here, every head bowed, is is needy. But Father, whilst our needs are many and great, our God is great. And is able to do great things. Even to meeting us, us, me, at my point of need tonight. And so we invite you, Almighty God, in the name of Jesus Christ. That by the power of your Holy Spirit you might come and meet us at our point of need. If that need is physical, Father, you can touch and heal. We know that. Will you not bring healing tonight? If that need is psychological, mental, maybe bereavement is besetting us, will you not bring peace of heart and mind? If the need is spiritual, Lord, tonight if salvation is the need, will you... Not save, that salvation might come to this house tonight. For God is here, and He is here to bless. Maybe tonight, Father, we need a word of rebuke. Then, Father, open our hearts to receive that word of rebuke. Not to shun it, not to avoid it, but to receive it and respond appropriately. Maybe we need a word of encouragement. Oh, Lord. Your Holy Spirit, the blessed Comforter, might He comfort and encourage us tonight. So whatever the word, Lord, we understand that we not one of us are here uh, by accident. We are here by divine appointment. And so whatever is the need tonight, whatever is the necessary word, we pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit might bring that word and it ha- might have the effect that you wanted to have, needed for it to have, and this we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're thinking very briefly with a close eye on the clock about Jonah's message. Jonah came to Nineveh with one message. At this juncture, it is clear that Jonah was not ashamed of that message. The reason being, he was now persuaded of it. Arguably, earlier on in the story, of course, he may not have been persuaded. But now he is persuaded of the message, and he brings that message. He's not ashamed of it. Generally, my friends, men are ashamed of things when they are not persuaded of them. Arguably, the reason that there is little preaching today on subjects like perhaps the wrath of God, the judgment of God, eternal hell and damnation, is because the average minister is ashamed to preach it. They are not fully persuaded of it, by it. We are ashamed only when we are not persuaded. The Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He says, for I know what I've believed, and because I know what I've believed, I am persuaded that He is able to do exactly what His Word says He will do for those who cry out to Him. The Apostle Paul was persuaded of the truth of the gospel message. He was persuaded, and therefore he was not ashamed to preach it. My friends, if we are so persuaded tonight, we are not ashamed to preach, to declare the full gospel concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. But that gospel is not being preached by the church in its full capacity because we are ashamed. We are not fully persuaded by it. I'm convinced, friends. When the world once again sees that the church is not ashamed, then the world once again will be awakened to the truth, to the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our problem is we do not believe the simple statements of the Word of God. We shy away from certain politically incorrect doctrines because we've allowed the world to persuade us otherwise. The Apostle Paul says, I'm, I am fully persuaded and unashamedly I declare. Jonah was now fully persuaded and so he preached unapologetically the fullness of the message that God had given to him. Now, once we think a little about Jonah's message, I, I want us ostensibly to, to think about what it is that marks out a divine message. Very quickly. What is it that marks out a divine message? How do we know this evening that the preacher addressing the faithful from one week to the next is in point of fact bringing a message from God? How do we know? Well, Five points that we might discern that what is brought by the preacher is or is not a message from God. Because let's be honest, we're not content to hear anything else. We're here not to have our ears tickled, but to hear the voice of God. We're here not just to sing God's praises, though that's so special wonderful privilege but we're here to hear the voice of God we're not interested I'm sure you're not interested in the opinions of Doug Atherton because in the final analysis my opinions matter for nothing you're here to hear the voice of God so how do you know how do you know that from week to week your pastor and others that don this pulpit bring the word of God firstly firstly A divine message will always reflect the true character of God. A divine message will always reflect the true character of God. We are told that the the God of the Bible is a God of wrath, a God of justice, and a God of holiness. We are also told that the God of the Bible is a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of compassion, a God of pity. The divine message reflects every aspect of God's nature, of God's character. It reflects the fact that God is holy and as such cannot bear to look upon sin, but equally it reflects His grace and His mercy. That because He loved the world so much, He sent His only begotten Son. That when He looks upon Dugatherton tonight, He sees not my my sin, He sees the blood of Christ that cleanseth me from all sin. The divine message, my friends, brings the Word of God in a balanced way and preaches the full counsel of God. It grieves me that often these days, Preachers are polarizing between extremes. Pulled this way or that. My friends, the Word of God doesn't polarize. The Word of God isn't Calvinistic. Equally, the Word of God isn't Arminian. The Word of God is the Word of God. And whilst humankind polarizes between the extremes, God's Word does not. The divine message brings the full counsel of God, the full character of God is reflected. No wonder the Apostle Paul says in Acts twenty twenty seven that I was I, I, I brought the whole counsel of God to you, he says. Payday one day it is my heart's desire that my God will look upon me and say, My child, well done. You brought the whole counsel of God. You reflected the whole character of the Almighty. The word, the, the, the divine message doesn't polarize, doesn't gravitate towards a singular part or aspect of the character or nature of God. It reflects all of who God is. And what in Christ God has done. And what by the Holy Spirit God is doing. Secondly, a divine message will always be clear and definite. Let's be honest. Any child, any child could understand Jonah's message. In chapter 3 and verse 4. Could they not? Forty more days And Nineveh will be overturned. No sense of ambiguity there, is there? It is clear what God was communicating. It is definite. You don't have to have finished high school to understand what Jonah was endeavouring to communicate. Any child can understand that message. A divine message is always clear. Always definite. Always lucid. Always unambiguous. Everyone who is anyone can understand it. It disturbs me. I hear many messages preached. And I sit there thinking, what is being preached? What is being preached? That's not the whole counsel of God. That's not the divine message. One cannot help comparing the simple gospel message with most contemporary theology. If you turn to most theologians of the late 20th, early 21st centuries, you may not guess past the first page. And just when you think you get into grips, you're getting to understand those theologians, you're probably not. You can read through these scholars forever and ever and ever and still debate what they really mean. But my friends, when the divine message is brought, it is clear. It is unambiguous. It is not mysterious. It is not vague. God, my friends, is not in the habit of dealing in ambiguities. So why are we? Why are we? Why do we contend ourselves with ambiguities? (laughs) Thirdly, the divine message. It calls attention... Sorry, the mark of a divine message is that it calls attention to the message and not the messenger. The third mark of a divine message is it calls attention to the message and not the messenger. Jonah did not call attention to himself, he made men see God. How do you know that, Pastor, you're thinking? Well, notice how the people responded. The passage says in verse 5 that the people believed God. Isn't that interesting? It could have said the people believed Jonah. But it doesn't. It says the people of Nineveh believed God. Because the message he brought did not bring attention to himself. It brought attention to the one who sent him. It brought attention to God. The chief function of the Holy Spirit, my friends, is to point men to Jesus Christ. And so if men and women are donning pulpits and lecterns up and down this land, bringing attention to themselves, then they are not anointed by the Holy Spirit. That sounds harsh, I grant you. But that's the reality of it. I hear many people say, oh, oh, he was a wonderful, she was a wonderful, wonderful preacher. And they go on to articulate how wonderful the preacher was. That's nice to hear, of course. But at some point, I'm hoping to hear how wonderful the message was. But often the message doesn't come into it. Oh, he was wonderful. He was articulate. Oh, he was funny. He was witty. He was theologically sound. He was this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, wow, but what about the message? Was Jesus exalted? Was the kingdom of God affected? Too often these days, it's all about personalities, isn't it? I hear of Christians going to conferences because of personalities. They're not expecting to, for God to turn up. They've they, they got some great convention speaker coming. That, that sends them there. What's that all about? Consumed with mere human personality. My friends, if it's a divine message, then the message points to the Almighty God and not to the messenger. It would grieve my heart if after I have preached, people are talking more about Pastor Doug Adam than they are of my risen Savior. That would grieve my heart. That would mean I've missed the mark it mean i have not been anointed by the holy spirit this is why the holy spirit is the only perfect preacher ah they say george whitfield was the greatest orator that ever walked the earth perhaps they say that martin lloyd jones was a wonderful preacher certainly was in more recent times rt kendall of westminster chapel london brilliant academic orator preacher of the word, yes he was but my friends the best preacher is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit always unequivocally without any question of ambiguity points to Jesus if you leave here tonight thinking about anyone but Jesus then it's not a divine message not a divine message fourthly the fourth mark of a divine message is that it is authoritative. Authoritative not because it's learned, because it's academic, because it's theological. Authoritative because it definitely comes from beyond. Authoritative because its origin doesn't come from this earth. It comes from heaven. That's a divine message. A message that comes from Heaven. One problem people in the world have today is that they don't really believe that the church is speaking the Word of God. That's the problem the world has. The world thinks we're simply articulating human opinion. And more often than not, we are. We are. And we wonder why we're not attracting the world. We will never attract the world with our opinions. We might win the arguments, friends, and often we do, but we lose the war. No, my friends, the world the world is longing to hear a divine message. The origin of which comes from beyond. It comes from heaven, right from heaven. Yes, through a human instrument, often, for, because God has, has, has ordained to use the foolishness of preaching. But nevertheless, it comes from heaven through a human instrument to our hearts. Oh, how the church has cowered to the times. Oh, how the church has capitulated to the trend of the age. Even to the secular spirit of the day. And we wonder why the world won't come to listen what we've got to say. Because they're not interested in what we've got to say. You want to hear what God is saying. The divine message, it comes with authority. Because it comes from God. And finally, the divine message can be recognized as such. Because it is given without alternative. The divine message is not is not a pragmatic presentation of a set of options. As if one of us can pick and choose what we would consider to be true. The divine message is given without alternative because it is the divine message. Because it is the truth. Singular. Not truths. Plural. This is why Peter said to the Sadducees in Acts 4 verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Do you believe that? That's the divine message. We are weak Christians indeed, brethren, when we do not know how to answer someone who asks us perhaps, Will the Buddhist be saved if he is sincere? Weak indeed. Whilst I admire the the faithfulness of many who pursue other religions, the Gospel message is the Gospel message. It is the truth. For Jesus Himself declared, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me the divine message is there is no option (laughs) thus Jonah goes marching into Nineveh 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned Jonah not only spoke for God and not for himself but his message was clearly from beyond he gave no alternative it did not call attention to himself And we understand, don't we, as we've already said, that the people, the Ninevites, believed God. Oh, my friends, might God raise up men and women who will declare the Word of God in such a way that it is the Word of God. It is the divine message. So, how can we? How do we understand that the message the preacher brings to the faithful from one week to the next is, in fact, a message from God? Well, it always reflects the character of God. It's clear and it is definite, it calls attention to the messenger. Not the message, The message to, to the one who sent it to God doesn't call attention to the messenger. It's authoritative because it comes from above. And friends, it is given without alternative. This is the message that Jonah brought. Should we be surprised, therefore, of the result? I'll be honest. Whenever I read Jonah, I'm somewhat surprised. It seems that the whole city... Reacted in incredible repentance, and what was? Let's honest. Let's be honest. A pretty boring message, really. Not really engaging. Not not really entertaining. Not not really theological. Not, it's just a pretty average sermon, really. And yet, the whole city turned to God. We shouldn't be surprised, however. If it's the divine message, then God has made His promise to us, hasn't He? My word will not return unto me void. Really, Lord? Really. But will accomplish all that I have purposed for it. My friends, if the message is a divine message, then we should not be surprised that this time next week we'll have to queue to get in. Ah, you're sat there thinking... That won't happen, pastor. Won't it? Can't it? It's the word of God. Jonah brought the word of God. And the entire city responded. My friends, if Trachlan hears the word of God, God has promised us by covenant promise this word will not return unto me void but will accomplish all that I have purposed for it. What is the purpose of God's word? To tickle the ears of the faithful from week to week? No. What is the purpose of God's word? To make us feel happy by the time we go home at at 7:30 uh, God willing? No. What is the purpose of God's word? To transform life. To save the lost. To redeem our community of Trachlan. For the sake of his kingdom. For he says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. But how Lord? How Lord? Well, if the word of God is preached. If the divine message is brought. I promise you. I promise you. It will not return unto me void by this really challenges the very core of my being when I reflect from Sunday to Sunday upon what I preach and why I preached it it challenges the very core of my being Father why are we not full what happened to your word doesn't it challenge you well maybe it's just my problem because I'm the preacher (laughs) Is it my problem? Alone? My friends, this is the word of God. And I believe from these scriptures that God, God's word is living and active. I believe from his word, it transforms lives we've heard today against all the odds. I even remember the Vietnamese boat people. A lot came to, to Liverpool, of course. I remember us endeavouring to settle them into homes and communities. God transforming lives. Wonderful to hear how Arminian Christians are coming being baptised here on these shores. In a Wesleyan church. Ah, John Wesley would be thrilled, wouldn't he? To hear that one of his chapels is still evangelical. (laughs) He would be shocked to hear otherwise. He would turn in his grave To think that a Wesleyan chapel could be considered as anything but evangelical. But ah, times have changed. But the word of God, my friends, hasn't changed. And the very same word that was transforming lives in the first century AD, the very same word that brought revival to our nation on many occasions in the in the sixteenth century reformation, the seventeenth century, eighteenth century, nineteenth century, twentieth century. What about the twenty first century, Lord? We haven't had anything in the 21st century. Little snippets here and there. We hear of what God is doing in the southeast amongst the Pentecostals. Uh, uh, But but what about here? Well, God has promised us. My word, the divine message, will not return unto me void. So I have to reflect, don't I, on last Sunday's message thinking... Was I in the flesh? Was Doug gathered in the flesh? Was I grieving the Holy Spirit? Had I missed what the Holy Spirit was saying to the church? Am I harboring sin in my life? Am I an obstacle to the move of the Spirit and the power of God? What happened to that message? Boy, brings me to my knees on a Monday morning. The divine message. Is it really divine? Or is it here again? Here, Doug Atherton's opinion once again. I pray regularly, my friends, not out of false humility but out of sheer conviction, Father, if I am not the one to bring your message to this people and to the people and community of Trashlan, you must remove me. You must remove me. You must bring a man, the woman of God. Because time is too short to mess around. Isn't it? It's too short for me to to, to, to simply maintain a job if this was just my job God have mercy ah there are many in pulpits in these days because it's a job offers an element of security God have mercy on us God have mercy on me it's just a job God has promised us My word, this divine message, it will accomplish what I have purposed for it. So I'm looking around thinking, Father, where's the hiatus? Is it me? Father, let us us pray. Father... This is serious business, Lord. Serious, serious business. We're talking about the proclamation of the word of God. The divine message. We split hers over theology. We get consumed over orthodoxy. We debate fundamentalism. But Lord, you've made a promise to your church. Show us, Father, where the blockage is. Where is the hiatus? What is the problem? Why isn't the Holy Spirit coming in power? to revive your church and to redeem the lost. Father, help us to understand what have we got to do? What do we need as a church? we need Jesus we need the power of the Holy Spirit help us Lord we pray to get back to the word of God friends let's respond to God's word if your response is only to pray for your pastor that's good enough by me worship team join me we'll sing in response to the word of God seeking the face of God that he might help us to understand where is the hiatus where is where are we falling down what's the problem is it me Lord God is extending grace he's promised to cleanse us of sin if we confess restore us if we have fallen Search me, O God, and O my heart, said the psalmist. Maybe that's our hearts. Cry our prayer. Let's remain seated for a moment as we sing this next song. As we remain seated, we're going to sit and reflect and respond to the Word of God.